15, 11 through 32. And he said, speaking of Christ, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. And it was not many days after the younger son gathered all together, and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, and had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found, and they began to be merry. Now the elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants, and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore his father came out, and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I do serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time the commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living, and living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Thank you. You may be seated. Pastor? All right. Thank you for reading all of that. I really just wanted you to read those first two verses, but that's okay. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. It's good to have context, 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 right? You've got to have that. Well, if you're visiting with us today, God bless you for being here. It's a joy to see a lot of people visiting today. And we have several out as well. Miss Barbara's still having a tough time and uh, talked to Jack yesterday. Be in prayer for her. And uh, they were hoping to be here today. And then, of course, some of the others on the on our list that we're always praying about that are sometimes here and sometimes not because of health reasons, continue to pray for them as well. But uh, glad you're here today. If you're visiting with us, we take just a minute right now just to pray right where you are and personally, individually, and just an opportunity to just kind of wipe the slate clean, get the, get the thoughts of the week off your mind, get the thoughts of the coming week off your mind. Spend a little bit of time in prayer and ask the Lord to speak to you today. And uh, He has something for every one of us here. But let's just be intentional about this and uh, just uh, get our mind and our heart just kind of ready and prepared 
and uh, to uh, to go into the preaching uh, time here. If you remember, as said of Ezra, that he prepared his heart to seek the Lord. And that's a great thing that we need to do. So let's do that now, and we'll close out in a word of prayer in just a minute. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, indeed, we're thankful for the privilege of being here today and joining voices and singing songs of praise unto Thee. Yet we come now to this centerpiece of our purpose in being here as we would hear Thy precious word. We thank Thee for our pastor who has prepared faithfully as we see demonstrated week by week and message by message. But Father, we pray that we come now seeking to be prepared in our own hearts to as we hear so often exhorted in the scripture to hear the word of the Lord. Bless us now. Make us ready and receptive. Humble our hearts to receive what you have for each of us today. And Father, if there's one here without Christ, I pray you'd give to them a restlessness that they would come to know the only one who can give the peace of God that passes all understanding. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand one more time before the pastor comes and turn to page 81. Page 81. And let's say all verses. Yeah. 
draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the precious bleeding side. Oh, the pretty light of a single that before thy throne I spin. When I kneel in prayer with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. Draw me nearer, dearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, dearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding shine. There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross a narrow there are hearts of joy that I may not reach Till I rest in peace with Thee Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord To the cross where Thou hast died Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord to thy precious bleeding side. You may be seated, Pastor. What a great song that is. And I hope I hope that is uh hope you meant what you're singing or at least stopped between the singing and go, Wow, that's a that's a pretty good pretty big request. I ought to thought that, think that one through a little bit, and uh, so praise the Lord for that. We're in Luke chapter 16, Brother Jim. Uh, read read three of my texts, <laughs> three separate messages. No, I'm sure. I told him to read the whole thing. I'm just I like giving him a hard time because because tomorrow I'll get paid back for that with a whole slew of text messaged far side jokes, which we both enjoy. So you got to be a little bit. Touched in the head to like the far side, and uh, <laughs> so I enjoy them. So I always get a good laugh. All right, I've boy, I've got so many different Bibles because I have different stuff I write in each one of them, and and this one I pulled this Bible. I don't think I've used this in years, but it has so much in here on this passage that I've uh, that I've written about that I just keep it with me. I thought oh, I'll bring this one. This is loaded down so anyway drawing near you know we're getting ready for um for our outdoor revival and i've said it before i'll continue to say it that we are having these services uh not they are not revival but they're for revival 
And uh, we want the Lord to do a work. We setting aside special times. You see it throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Israel would set themselves aside and come together and assemble for a specific purpose to hear from the Lord or or to uh, make some covenant with the Lord when they've been away from God and have coming back. We've seen that in Nehemiah and just some beautiful pictures. And one of the most beautiful pictures there is is the picture of somebody wayward coming back and to watch God's response to them. And we're going to see this here. Jesus illustrates this here in our passage in Luke 15. And I'm looking at the the subject today of backsliding. Backsliding. I know that's an exciting topic on a Sunday morning. Uh, but it's where we all live. Amen. Uh, we are human. We are flesh. We we uh, go back and forth in our life. And sometimes it, in the early parts of our life, there's a lot more ups and downs, right? But I think is what somebody uh, has sh- showed one time before that might be like this, but hopefully it's just this going up. You know, there's some ups and downs, but hopefully it's still a forward and onward trajectory. But it's undoubtedly, it's, it's a fact of the matter. We all backslide. You look in the Old Testament, the nine times that word backsliding is used used in Jeremiah. Three times you see it in Hosea. Uh, that word is translated other than backsliding, the same Hebrew word, uh, other places in the Old Testament. And it means a turning away. It means a turning back. It means a turning away from someone and turning back to someone or something else. And let's just be honest about it. It's the turning away is the turning away from God and the turning back to something else. And all reality is a turn to ourself but if you want to get real specific it's a turn away from God and a turn to our enemy it's a turn to Satan and in the Christian life there are times when God's children turn away from him and they go back to something else Uh, we had some friends of ours that I just you know I just have been kind of sad at some of the direction of their life lately. And uh, they had, a, I believe, a, a, a wonderful testimony for some years. Just some decisions over the last few years, and, and especially of one of them. And I told my wife, I said, it's, it's the leeks and the onions. The leeks and the onions. They're going back to the leeks and the onions. And you see Israel when they're in the wilderness. That's the only thing they could think of while they were in bondage and chains and uh, in slavery in Egypt. They said, oh, we missed the leeks and the onions, but you were enslaved. Yeah, I know, but we missed the fruit and the vegetables. Right. And this is I mean, this is it sounds ridiculous to us that they would see that. But this is what happens to us every day, all the time. It happens still today. We do this. We backslide. We get away from the God. uh, We get away from God. We go back to the world, the flesh and the devil. And and we know this today. I know a lot of this is uh, is known to people in here. But backsliding is a process. It is not a one time event. Usually it is not just this seminal point in our life that we went. By gump, I'm done, right? We're out of here. Well, sometimes that happens to some people, but I guarantee it just wasn't out of nowhere. It was a process that happened that began somewhere and ended at a destination. And let me say this. Every time you open the door of sin, all sin is a destination point. It all has a destination. You cannot choose where that destination is. Sin chooses its destination, and it's always death. It is always death in some way. It is death. And before you open that gate, be sure you know where it ends up. Amen? And uh, it is a process. It is a, a step. It begins somewhere and ends somewhere else. And there are really seven... Well, you could In this passage, I think you can see probably seven steps in what is illustrated here by Jesus Christ in backsliding. 
Now, chapter 15 of Luke is one parable, right? He has an audience here in verse 1. You see it. But look at verse 1. Then drew uh, near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, they were there too, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So he has the audience here, enumerated here. You have the publicans and the sinners. We know who that is. The tax collectors and the sinners. They're all about the same. And, and the Pharisees and the scribes. You have the religious crowd. You have those that are in the, the, the leadership of the religious area. And then you have those at the bottom of the religious scale. Those at the top and those at the bottom. And the parable seems to be about lost things. I mean, that on the surface is exactly what's going on here. And you see the losses that are shown here. The, the first one is the one sheep out of the 90 and 9. You have, a, you have one sheep out of 99. You have one coin out of 10. You have one son out of two. And, and, and I, I wrote this down several, 8, 9, 10 years ago. I've got this written in the side of my Bible. The, the, the ratio it kind of jumped out at me. Uh, the first batch, you have a ratio of 1 to 100. The second one, you have a ratio of 1 to 10. And that third one of the sons, you have a ratio of 1 to 2. I, watch this. You, they're, they're growing in this parable. It's growing in importance. It's growing in the uh, closeness to the heart of God and what God uh, has his heart toward. Uh, you lose one sheep out of 100. All right, you lost some money. And you've maybe lost a good sheep, but it's not losing, like losing half your kids. Totally different thing. And this is what Jesus is bringing it to here. And so there was joy. You notice this. <clears throat> There's a bigger point that's being made here. We're always going to lose things. Things are always going to be lost. This is a world that has been, that has been uh, plagued by sin, obviously. And there's always going to be lost. But some things are of great value. Yeah. That child is of greater value than losing that coin of that woman out of her bridal coins. That son is of greater value than losing one out of a hundred sheep that are really stupid. And they taste yummy. And they might give you some good uh, wool, but... Uh, a lot less value than that child. There's value here. But notice what I, what I think the bigger point going on here that's a beautiful thing is the joy that Jesus reveals here in this parable. The joy that God has when something that is lost is found. In each of these cases, when the, when the sheep was found, there was rejoicing. Look at verse 5 and 6. And he said, When he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice for me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. If anybody ever had a cow that got out or... Maybe he had crazy goats. I don't know why. Pretty good market, but he can't keep them in. But he had a goat get out. He had a cow get out. I was coming home the other day, dropped a kid off over at Abesville that was helping work and dropped him off and heading back at our house, which is everything's back roads back there. And there's about two or three cows out in the road. You know, you know what you do, Alan, right? You try to find the house, right? Try to find the house. And I found the house and walked up there. A guy comes out. Can I help you? I said, your cows are out over here. Oh, thank you. Off he came, got in his four-wheeler thing and 
rode off to go get them back in. And, and you know, you, you lose stuff and you, it's good to find them, okay? That's, that's money that's sitting there. And, he was, and, it's, and there is a joy to that when you've lost something and uh, of value. The, the woman here in verses 9, look what it says in verse 9 here. And when she had found this coin, many believe it was speaking not just of a coin that you spend, but mentioning of ten coins of that, that, that bridal, uh, those bridal, ten bridal coins that the that Jewish woman would wear upon her head or around her neck uh, that uh, she was supposed to take care of and polish and was a sometimes some would say it was a symbol of of what she thought of her husband and she'd polish it and keep it and, and to lose one of those was a big thing uh, of of, uh, of kind of a bad standing for her husband, I guess. I don't know. But she, uh, it was a big thing. But it says here in verse 9, And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found this peace which I had lost. Me and my buddy once were out on a beach out uh, up in the New England area, and we're out on a beach, and, and uh, we're going back to the car, and uh, he all of a sudden he goes, Oh, I can't find my class ring. I lost it. I was like, well, you're out of luck, buddy. I mean, it's a beach, right? Sand, tide's coming in. And so we walked all the way back through. And I'm telling you, the part of it was sticking up out of the sand. And we found it. You talk about a happy guy. He was a happy guy. Those things were expensive. I never bought one. I don't know. Anyway, another point. There's rejoicing. Jesus is saying here, there is rejoicing when something that was lost is found, right? Look at what Jesus said in verse 10. I love this little interjection here in between the two, uh, the, th- the three different stories between the first two and the last one. Likewise, Jesus says, likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Now I'm going to split hairs here a little bit because people say, oh, the angels rejoice. And I'm sure they do. But it's really not what it says. It says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God. Who is rejoicing? None but God Himself. Amen. I like that. I'm glad that angels rejoice, and I'm glad when brothers and sisters rejoice at at something good that happens to another brother and sister. But listen, Jesus is trying to drive something home here, which is when something goes away from God, when something walks away from God, when something gets entangled in this world, when something somebody's heart is uh, is uh, drawn away from God and goes goes away and then they are found and brought back again. I'm telling you, God has some rejoicing in that. And Jesus is going to illustrate that here this morning in this parable here of the two sons. So now remember, we have the opening of chapter 15 of two classes of people. You have the religious and the non-religious. You have the Pharisees and the, and the, and the, and the, and the scribes. And then you have the publicans. In the center and the sinners, two classes of people. But I'll tell you what else you have here. You really have two classes of sinners. You have two classes of sinners. No, the Pharisees and the scribes didn't think they were, but they are. And what you have here is you have two classes. You have one that is the outward sinner, the publican and the sinner, all right. And then you have the inward one, the Pharisee and the scribe. The one that looked good, but was rotten on the inside, Jesus said. And the one that looked bad and was rotten on the inside as well. You have the two different classes of sinners. The open and the hidden. 
Now Jesus is going to tell a story, watch this, about a father with two sons. You have two classes of sons here. You have the open sinner, and we're not going to look at it today, but you have the hidden sinner. You have the one that was went out in the open, and you have the one that stayed home, but he was just as rotten as the one that left. Two different classes. I don't know if the Pharisees got it yet. I, usually they didn't because he had to explain all of these things. But uh, we see it here. He's going to tell a story. What is he doing? He's telling a story to illustrate God's heart towards lost things. God's heart towards those that have strayed away. God's heart towards those that have walked away from Him. There is something here more precious than sheep or a coin. It is a man's own children. And yea, we could come out of this and say God's own children are more precious to Him than anything there is. Now let me show you the problem here. While the parable is revealing God's heart towards lost things, this story here, this, these, these events that Jesus gives out to us, presents a, 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 a pattern or some steps that become evident in the process of backsliding. We can see seven steps in this story here. Watch this always downward. Always down. This, this, the, these sons weren't singing higher ground, right? They were, they were going down, down, down. And when you open to the door to sin, like I said earlier, there, the destination is always down. The destination is always away from God, not closer to God. The destination is always death and not life. James 1, 4 through 15. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, it says, and enticed, that when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin... When it has finished, the Bible says, bringeth forth death. This is the end of sin. Seven steps, seven steps downward we're going to see in this parable. Look at verse 12. You see the first one, actually. And look what it says. Verse 11, and, and, and he said, a certain man had two sons. Now this is... Uh, this keeps in line with the parables that Jesus told. There's no proper name here. It is a parable. There is a certain man. He, he does not use proper names in parables. This is a parable. A certain man. And look what he says. And, the, and he had two sons. The inward rebel, the outward rebel. The Pharisee, the publican you might say. Right? And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And the first thing you see here in the step downward, the very first step I think you can pick out here is the first step of self-will. Self-will. Father, give me. Give me. 
See, watch this. The son has grown up in this in these events. The son has grown up in the father's house. He has grown up with with being provided for by his father, being sustained by his father. Every all of the possessions that he had were the possessions that were given to him by his father. And at this point in his life, he is done with his father. He is done with his family. He is done with his brother. He is done with the servants. He wants to do his own thing, and he says, "Give me." give me the portion give it to me and this is the first step in backsliding it is a self-will it is not somebody who lives after the will of God it is somebody who begins to slowly but surely begin after the will of their own self remember it's Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane as he prayed there and he said father not my will but thine be done and we see Jesus Jesus always perfectly obeyed the will of his father And I tell you what, there is no self-will in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not at all. And this is what happens to us. It's the first step. You are walking with God. You are walking in the will of God. Everything that you have, you realize, had come from God. But something crept into your life. Something began to creep in and you decided that you wanted to do what you wanted to do. You ever been there? You ever been there? Yeah. I don't want to forgive that person. I don't want to give that money. I don't want to teach that class. I don't want to go out on visitation. I don't want this trial in my life. I'm telling you, there are things that have have come into our life and instead of responding to them with the intention of living in the will of God, self-will crept in. And we said, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want this. I'm telling you, it's the first step of backsliding. It's the first step of walking away while living under the care and the authority of the Father. Watch. We are given things in our life to live. We are given trials. We are given tribulation. We are given blessings. And we are given things that we don't think are blessings. And the backsliding begins when we look at those areas that we are demanded of obedience and we say, no, give me. I want what I want. I know you have a will, but give me my will. Friend, that is the first step of backsliding. And can I remind you of this? It's way more subtle than I just said. It comes in much more stealth than I even said. You won't even realize it. You may still have joy going to church. You may still enjoy singing the songs. You might still have some joy in serving God, but there's something that has come in, that we've said no. The first step of backsliding. Notice number 2, verse 12 again. Give me mine. (laughs) Number 2, you know what comes after this this self-will? You know what will start the fruit of that self-will? is selfishness. How many have kids that have heard the word say, Mine! Mine. Well, it wasn't yours. You just didn't even, you weren't even playing with it until he came and got it and all of a sudden it's yours, right? Mine. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, right? Selfishness is in the heart of a child. It's in all of us. Selfishness. Watch this. The younger son wants his inheritance right now. Look at this in here. He said, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. What's he saying? Give me my part of the inheritance right now. I want what's mine now. 
Can I tell you the normal, the normal protocol would be at his father's death, that inheritance would be divvied up between the children. It would be divided up. What's going on here? The selfishness has taken such root, he could really care less how it would affect his father. He could care less how it would affect him financially. He could care less how it would affect him emotionally. You say emotionally, what are you talking about? I think, listen, I think it's, it's very easy to, to see from here that one of the bigger things that Jesus might be getting across here is that to ask for the inheritance when the son asks for the inheritance is saying this, I wish you were dead. I want it now. I want it right now. Selfish little brat. <laughs> right? That's what you want to say. And I'm sure the Pharisees are like, yeah, what a, yeah, looking at the publicans and sinners. Yeah, are you listening to this? <laughs> right. There's more for them, don't worry. Selfishness. Watch, we begin to backslide when self-will comes in, and then, and then, which breeds selfishness. And we can be, watch, we begin to, to demand from God the things that we believe that He owes us right now. Ooh. I know you said to wait for that prayer request, but I want it now. I need it now. I want it right now. I know we're laboring in the valley now, but I want the mountaintop now. I'm tired of the valley. I know you're teaching me something to this trial, but I want the blessing now. I don't want, I don't want to wait. And we get bitter and angry and self-willed and selfish. And, and we begin to get this selfishness that comes over us. That this, like We just think we have to have everything right now. And I'm thankful that God doesn't jump to our whining and complaining, right? But this is the problem with our heart. Selfish is ruling our life and what we, and we, when we don't get what we think we should have right now we begin to take the second step at backsliding begin to back away back away back away yeah. self will I I me selfishness mine I've got to have it notice the third thing in verse 13 And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. Separation. It started with the self-will. He began to back away emotionally from the father. He began to back away, right, relationally, fellowship-wise from the father. Selfishness came in and finally... Once that breeds, you have, you have separation. He took his journey, finally free, finally free. I'm away from the rules. I'm away from the, the Father. I'm away from all of the, just do this and do that and help me here and help this and help that. Right? He's finally free. It's all about him. He's living his life like he wants to live it. And his dad to him, virtually and now geographically, is dead to him. And he's got everything that he ever wanted. Notice this, what it says here. He gathered all together. Do you realize what's going on here? When the son left the father's house, everything that he gathered together, he had, his, he had his sack on his back and he's walking out with his stuff. But can I remind you, that wasn't his stuff. Everything that he left the father with, he left that the father had provided him with. 
Everything that he walked away from, he walked away with, and all that stuff that he had was given to him by his father, not to him. And I want to remind us this morning, and I want to remind you this morning, and if you're listening online today, I want to remind you this morning that whenever self-will kicks in and you begin to gather your things and walk out of the presence of your heavenly father, don't forget you're walking out with everything that he has given you. You, I mean, you, you're walking out with your money, the talents, the spiritual gifts. You say, well, yeah, but I, I got a job and I earned this and I earned that and I made this and, and I'm able to do this and I've got this trait. Hey, can I remind you where your very life and breath comes from? When you walk out of the presence of the fellowship of your Heavenly Father with all of your stuff, you're walking out with everything that He has provided for you out of His love and provision and care. Oh, I can't help but be reminded of, of Hosea when Hosea went back to check on Gomer and he was, he was checking on her. And all the while, watch this, all the while, while she thought her lovers were providing for her. She thought her lovers was given all of her needs. It was Hosea in the background coming to the house quietly and leaving stuff off for her. And God says, this is how I was with you, Israel. You thought your, your idolatry and you left me and you walked away from me and you thought that everything you have was that you have gathered for yourself. But what you don't know is that in the background, I'm the one still providing for you. And that is exactly how it goes today, friend. You can walk away from God and I can walk away from God. And listen, we can trot along real easily for a while and life's going real great. And we think we're doing it on our own. Life's doing fine. But we don't realize in the background it is God who is still supplying everything that we enjoy. Look at verse 13. You know what comes after self-will? After selfishness? After separation? It's, it's unbelievable. You watch this. You deal with people's lives. You deal with people to try to help them. You see it over and again. Number, verse 13, sensuality. Isn't it amazing? That's where the flesh always ends up. It always ends up in rottenness. You see verse 13? He gathered his stuff together. He took his journey to the far country. He got as far away from dad as possible. Couldn't see the house anymore. Couldn't see the fence line anymore. Couldn't see the servants running around. He got as far away as he could. And there he wasted a substance with riotous living. That word riotous living is the word debauchery. It's the word wantonly. It's indulging in sensuality without restraint. The brother said it here. He wasted all your money on a bunch of harlots. Wow. He's gone so far, so possibly far away that the restraints are now gone and he can, he can live how he wants to live in utter debauchery. Eyes living it up. Living it up. I'm telling you this morning... When self-will takes over and selfishness rules your life and your bags are packed with everything that your father has provided for you and as a whole, the old home place is completely out of sight and the flesh is now free to indulge in everything it wants to indulge in. You know, you've seen it. Maybe you've seen it in your own life at times. The old music comes back. The old shows start playing again. Maybe there's a new group of friends you didn't have before. Maybe there's entertainment in your life that you never dreamed you'd allow in your life. What has happened? You've walked away. You're far away. 
You're far away. This is, these are steps downward, 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 downward. Now we're down into the pit of what happens when you give over to the flesh and you give over to yourself. You're down into a place of sensuality. And notice what it says. He's wasted his living. It is just wasted. There's nothing. Hey, we never have anything to show for our investment in our flesh. There is never anything to show for it. It's always a waste. And you remove all the restraints in your life. I'm telling you, you'll end there every time in the debauchery. But you know, I'm thankful though for verse 14. Would you look at this? And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. Here's the fifth step downward is chastisement. Chastisement. After he spent it all, famine. Famine came. Can I tell you, this is the love of the Father. This is the love of our Heavenly Father. For whom the Lord loveth, it says over in Hebrews, for whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth, right? And scourgeth every son whom He receiveth. You better thank God. One of the greatest evidences of your salvation is the chastening of God. Because the Bible says He doesn't chasten those that aren't His. If you can live in sin and have no, uh, and have no conviction and have no, uh, have, have, have no correction, uh, Correction from God and you can get away with it without ever having any bit of conviction at all over it. I'm telling you, friend, I'd check your salvation out. God, the Bible says He scourges those who are His. He chastens those who are His. He corrects those who are His. Deuteronomy 8, 5, Thou also shalt consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Thank the Lord for that. God brings chastening into our lives through many different avenues, doesn't he? Sometimes it just begins lightly by removing the joy and the peace that you used to have. Sadly, when you're walking from God, you don't notice that too quickly. He'll begin to remove blessings. Yeah. When he used to rebuke the devourer, the devourer shows up and the money takes wings and flies away. Yeah, he shows up all sorts of ways that the chastening of God. And here it's fam- he says famine, right? Sometimes it's a loss of a job. Sometimes it's unexpected bills. Sometimes it's illness. You say always? Of course not always. Right? But you know what happens when you're away from God? Any little thing that comes up, your heart condemns you and you go, oh, maybe this is why. Oh, maybe this. Oh, maybe this. Oh, no. Why? Why do you do that? Because there's, a, there's some guilt there. Right? You know, you've strayed away from the Lord. You know what? I've noticed a pattern when you're walking with the Lord and your heart's right with the Lord and these things come into your life. So often it's a lot easier to say, okay, Lord, I don't know why you're doing this, but I trust you. Yeah. Totally different attitude and response. But can I remind you this morning, God never does things to us. He always does, does things for us. Even in, especially in discipline and chastening of his own. He, listen, he does them for us. Hebrews twelve eleven. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but it's grievous, right? We don't like it. Right. How many, how many, how many, when you were children, when the belt was coming down, you're going, oh yeah, this is awesome. I'm so glad dad loves me. There's no way. You're weeping and wailing and gnashing teeth and running around a room and trying to get away and hoping the neighbors heard you scream so they'd intervene. I mean, all sorts of stuff, right? But you became an adult and you respected them and you loved them for it. 
Yeah. It doesn't seem to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Hey, what's going on here? What's, what's, what's going on here with this, uh, with this prodigal we call him? What's going on? Right? Well, God's getting his attention. God's getting his attention. Hey, the life that he thought was going to work out isn't working out. All the the hordes of money that he thought he had, he didn't realize how quickly it'd go away. And it's all gone. Look at verse 14. The sixth step downward is scarcity. He began to be in want. And when he had spent all there rose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. The The inheritance is gone. The trust fund is spent. <laughs> now he needs a job. Yeah. He needs a job. He's gone from a life that was sustained by the father. You know, I think most of that boy's life, he never woke up and wor- worried a bit about money. Never thought a thing about whether he was going to eat or not. Never had one thought about, oh, I wonder how we're going to eat. But, well, well, here he is. Boy, now what am I going to do? Now what am I going to do? He's gone from the life sustained by the Father. Now now he's living one trying to fulfill his own needs. Have you been there? Trying to find your own source of joy? Trying to find your own happiness? Yeah. Trying to find a way to earn money and it's taking you further away from God? Taking you away from God, away from family, away from provisions... Financially bankrupt, morally bankrupt, emotionally bankrupt. You been there? Look at verse 16. Look at these words. No man gave unto him. Go ahead and chase the world, friend. This is where the end of it comes. They're not given to you. And if they give it to you, it's going to be with interest. How many got out of your home as a, as a teenager and got out on your own or about three weeks in thought, wow, home was pretty good. <laughs> One of the most glorious days of our life when our middle daughter said, bag cereal isn't really that bad. <laughs> it's amazing how good something is when you got to buy it that you thought was horrible. Come to realize the world, hey, watch, you're going to come to realize the world can't give you what you need. The world can't provide, watch, the stability. It can't provide the affection. It can't provide the unending love of that father. It can't provide the provisions that he gave. It can't provide any of that. Everything this boy had, everything he lost was from his father. It was from his father. Psalm 106 The psalmist is talking about Israel going through the wilderness and the complaining of Israel in the wilderness. And it says this, And he gave them their request, but sent leanness unto their soul, their mind, will, and emotions. Leanness. Listen, friend, sometimes the Father lets you go. Yeah. But what you'll realize shortly is leanness. Leanness. 
now that everything's gone. Look at verse 16 and 17. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. Verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. Final step. The final step is desperation. He's at the end, man. He is at the end. There was somebody that we knew that was going through some real deep waters of their own of their own making. And it just seemed like it wasn't getting better. And I made the statement, they're not at the bottom yet. When you start hey, when you get so far away from God, I'm telling you, when you get down to step three or four, there's so often, so often you're so hardened. You're not coming back until you get to the total bottom. Desperation. This Jewish boy was away from home. He is away from money. He's slopping hogs. Could you imagine the Pharisees listening to this? <gasps> the mention of hog. <gasps> he's slopping hogs. Way it gets worse. Now he's living with them. Gets worse. If he could, he would eat what they're eating, but he's not even getting that. Look at the text. Yep. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk of the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. He would have done it. Sounds like the hogs were had more seed. Like, get out of here, buddy. This is my slop. Get your own slop. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's the last step of the backslider. Needs unmet, desires unfulfilled. Investments just winnowed away. Nothing. Listen to me, saints, this morning. All of his problems began when he began to invest in self. And the worst return of any investment is the wrong kind of investment on self. When self becomes God, when your idol is the one you're looking in the mirror at. It is the worst investment. We got to go here this morning, but I gave you a, a pretty big problem here. Let me, let me just close up real quick with a promise. The lights came on. I love it. Verse 17. He came to himself. You ever been there? I mean, just in a fog of life, of bad decisions... Of a fog of away from God, and it's like one day you went, What was I thinking? <laughs> That's a glorious day, friend. Why? Because there's still hope. There's still hope. The light came on and says, He came to himself. Look at the truth of verse 17. He came to himself and he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? He came to the truth that his hired servants of his father are doing better than he is as a son. He is doing better. He had been uh, so far away from home for such a time now, right? Let me ask you this. How could he be so sure that his servants were doing well as long as he's been away? How does he know that? I know you said, well, it's the parable. Jesus, I know, I know but he, he's telling this parable for a purpose. 
This is this this is not just how you know Jesus just didn't fill some verse you know fill in some words here to make the thing. Why did he say this? I, I think there's a great line here. I think there's a great connection here that this boy knew the condition of the servant because he knew the character of his father. Amen. He said, "I know this; those servants are doing better than I am. Why? Because they're still with my father, and I'm not." Amen. Look at the repentance in verse 18. I will arise and go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I will arise. I will go. I will say. Those are the greatest eyes he has said in a long time. Amen. I will go. What's he saying? I have sinned. I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. What a heart. What a heart. What a heart that he has. He says, I don't even have to have the position of son. Write me off the will. You've already gave all my living. You, I've, I've, I've wasted all of it. I've thought you as dead. Consider, consider me just as a servant, just so I can come back home. I don't care. I just want to come back home. I just want to be around my father. Whether I'm a son or not, I just want to be around him. Look at the, verse, look at the trip home, verse 19. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants, verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. And I love this. His father saw him coming. Yeah. You'll never have the eyesight that God has. You say, oh, that guy's got eagle eyes. Let me tell you something. God can see a lot farther than that. You know what? I, you know what he's. You know what? You know what the father sees. The the son hadn't even spoken yet. I'm thankful God sees a heart before our words ever come out of our mouth. You ever in your heart just thought? I mean, just all at one big thing. Wrong. I've been wrong. I've been wrong. Boy, I tell you the joy immediately before you ever get alone with the Lord. Joy comes back. He sees it. He sees it. Said he, the father ran to him. You've heard so many, so much preaching on this, right? The father ran to him. He embraced him, and then the son confesses. He says it. Look what he says here. Father, I have sinned against heaven in thy sight. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, his shoes on his feet. It's identification with the family, the robe, the ring. You are my son. You have always been my son. You will never cease to be my son. And uh, this is what the father had stated when he came back with repentance. But notice something. Do you remember what the son said? He, remember what the son was rehearsing? I can't leave this portion of scripture without bringing you this. Remember what the son rehearsed that he said? He said, I have sinned, verse 21, against heaven. I'm sorry, go back, go back to verse 19. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Yeah. Then you get down to verse 21. He said unto him, Here's the actual words. Father, I have sinned against heaven in thy sight and am no more to be worthy to be called thy son. Go get the robe. <laughs> Go get the ring. Go kill the calf. But Father, wait, I'm not done. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're done. Do you notice what he didn't say? Do you realize the father started speaking before the son finished what he had rehearsed he was going to say? Do you know what words the son never got out? You see it there. What, what the words that never came out were, make me as one of thy hired servants. It never came out. Why? 
because that son came back with works, but the father was ready with grace. You're not working your way back to the father. You're going to come to him with a repentant heart, with a humbled heart, with a, with a, contrite, uh, a, a contrite spirit, and you're going to come to him. And it's that right there that God says, I, I accept it. I accept it. I want you to notice something else before we finish. When the son came back, When the son came back, there was no lecture. There was no chiding. There was no, well, let's talk about this, boy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that should help you today. Because if you're away from the Lord this morning, can I tell you, and you come back to him, Jesus illustrated exactly his heart and his response and how he responds to those that are his how they return to him. He doesn't chide. He doesn't lecture. Right? All he's looking for is a humbled heart. And you know what he does? You're, wait. In an instant, in an absolute instant, you are right back at the place that you had left from. He didn't, he didn't skip a beat. I love it. You say, but he's lost his inheritance. Yes, he has. He's not getting it back. But boy, that relationship with the Father is... Watch this. I, I love this. Through this bad testing of his time, you know what he came to learn? He didn't need his inheritance. He didn't need all that stuff as long as he had the Father. Boy, that's a great heart to get to. Absolutely. Yeah. The greater point of the parable is not the lostness of the Son. I think one of the most beautiful points of this is that in our flesh we're always prone to leave the Father. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. We are, aren't we? But I think the most beautiful point of this parable is the heart of the Father. Joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. What about you this morning? Where are you? I understand there are many here, many of those watching. And you're not running from God at all. You're just walking the upward way. You're enjoying life. You're enjoying His will. You love where you're at. You have no desire to be away. But there could be some here today. A little bit of self-will has kicked in. A little bit of selfishness is showing up. God has allowed some things in your life and you don't understand it. You begin to question Him and you, you begin to want to get out on your own and, and you're not happy with things and you're walking away. Can I warn you this morning? You and I in this room, m- many of us in here are old enough to see the carnage of a life that walks away from God. Every time you open that gate... The end is always destruction. It's always destruction. It's always loss. It's always loss. Can I tell you today, you can come back. You can come back this morning. You can return whatever it is. The Holy Spirit of God has been putting some things, some point, pointing some fingers at your life this morning. And you can come back. What do you do? Just get alone with the Lord and say, I, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I've been backsliding. I've been walking away from you. 
I haven't liked this, I haven't liked that. And you probably know exactly what it is and what the thing is. But it just really chapped your hide. <laughs> yeah. And you're wanting to get away. Come back. Come back today. He is waiting. Think about that, would you? He's waiting. He's waiting. But I don't like how this turned out. Do you ever think he had a purpose in it? Yeah. I don't like how this happened. Do you, do you think he knows that? Yeah. Come back to him today. Wherever you are, whatever step. Maybe you're on step one and you've already realized. Oops. Maybe you're coming to the ball. Come back today. Backsliding. Seven steps we see in this text here of backsliding. Are you on one of these today? Are you on one of them? Father, we are prone to wander, aren't we? It wouldn't seem, wouldn't be our first conclusion that all of those who have made a concerted effort in a a point to be here this morning under the preaching of the word and us assembling together with your people. wouldn't seem that there'd be anybody here in this room backslidden. But Lord, we've all lived long enough to know that it's such a slow process and we can be there before we know it. Lord, maybe your Holy Spirit is dealing with somebody this morning here. They've just gotten away from you. They've drifted away a little bit. And they're going down a downward trajectory that is only going to end in death and destruction. I pray today your Holy Spirit would arrest their attention and today with, with a humble heart they'd return to you. Admit it like this, this, this boy did. That he would admit, admit it. Admit it. And turn back to you. I have sinned. And come back to Thee. Lord, do you do that work today as we prepare for you, for you to do a great work in our hearts in the coming weeks? Would we start here? And we ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Would you stand with me, please? The instrument is going to play and the invitation is open. Would you respond to the Lord however He has spoken to you? Would you respond to him? You have a chair where you are. We don't have an altar up here right now. It's kind of put away in storage. But you have a chair. You have somewhere you can get down with the Lord. And you can deal with him and spend some time with him. And say, Father, I think you've shown me something here. I may be on step one, step two. Might only, might even be up to three. But Lord, I see it. I see it. I've drifted away from you. And I want to come home. Would you come back to him today? That joy can be back that only God can give. That contentment can be back that only God can give. That assurance and provisions can, only, can be back that only God can give. In an instant, in an instant, God will make it all right.
We're going to be closing a word of prayer. And uh, we started late, so I, that's my excuse. We started late. So don't look at the clock. It's okay. So let's be dismissed in a word of prayer this morning. Have a great afternoon. Greet those that are here and thankful for those that are guests with us today. And I hope you get around and spend some time to say hello to them. And uh, we'll be back tonight. Lord willing, in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 20, I believe. And we should end up there. So be, uh, be, be back there tonight, 6 o'clock. And uh, we'll be ready for that. Get a nap. And, you know, if you can't get a nap, buy a nap. So, right? So, which is coffee, Red Bull, whatever. You know. So let's be dismissed in order of prayer. And... Uh, Brother Ryan, good to have you and Claudia here today. Would you close us in a word of prayer?